The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you back, but I'm even more excited for our special guest today. He is the host and creator of Money Partner Formula, Dave Dubow. Dave, thanks for joining us today. How are you? Cody, I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, listen, we appreciate you coming back. Early on when we hosted the show, we had a, a few people that would come back and we would try and do back-to-back episodes, but I think you're the first one in a long time we've been fortunate enough to bring back, and we had such a good time. I, I wanted to make sure we, we got another story out of you. Just in case the audience didn't hear your last episode, would love to get your origin story again before we dive into your unsuccess story. So where you're from, how you got into real estate and what you find yourself doing these days. Awesome. Yeah. So kind of grew, I'm, I'm from beautiful British Columbia, Canada, uh, kind of grew up around real estate. The family ho- house was one unit of a sixplex that my grandfather and my father built. My mom and my dad divorced when I was 12 or 13. And my mom was actually very active real estate investor all through my teens. She built up a portfolio of about 50 doors way back in the day, working full-time in the school district, taking care of her snot-nosed kid, me, doing real estate, all that kind of stuff. But being a typical teenager, I was pretty much clueless to all of this. I didn't, you know, I was so self-absorbed. I didn't pay much attention to what my parents were doing. So I didn't pay any attention to real estate. Fast forward a number of years, I ended up living and working in San Jose, Costa Rica lived overseas for 10 years, well, actually almost 13 years, 10 of those years in Costa Rica. And that's when I kind of dabbled first in what we would call pre-foreclosure deals. So I did just stumbled across two pre-foreclosure deals, uh, more as a passive investor than anything else. And then moved back to Canada in 2003 with my Costa Rican wife and our two Costa Rican kids and started all over again from scratch. And I was like, okay, I've been out of the country so long. I didn't have bad credit. I had zero credit. I had been self-employed for so long. I was pretty much unemployable. Plus I had very few useful skills. <laughs> graduating with a basically asinine degree in psychology. That's what I had my, my degree in. So I saw one of those late night infomercials it says, you too can get rich in real estate with little or no money down. I said, perfect. That's about what I got. So I sent away for the the course by this big name, American real estate, creative real estate guru. And I Canadianized the stuff that, that that he sent me and it all worked here as well. Slightly different language. That's about it. Everything's, everything's pretty much the same in Canada as the States, as as far as it goes with real estate. And uh, my first little kick of the can was 18 deals in 18 months in and around the small community that, uh, that we settled down in. Which sounds kind of impressive, Cody, but you're, you're, you got to see what some of those deals look like. A couple of them were pretty impressive. Most of them were just crappy little things and single family homes and mobile homes and mobile home parks and whatever. But it got, it, it got me into the game and I got good at, at negotiating and kind of finding deals and talking with motivated sellers and that kind of stuff. Took some time off from real estate investing, joined an up and coming real estate guru up here, kind of the Canadian version of rich dad, poor dad helped him grow his companies, got back into it and started doing a, a strategy that required me uh, coming up with down payment money. So it wasn't all the creative type stuff. So I needed to come up with cash for these deals. And uh, so did a number of uh, single family home type deals like that. And then 
more recently, I've gotten into multifamily more on the passive side because I realized a while ago, Cody, I kind of suck at dealing with tenants and toilets. So I'd rather not do that. Listen, I completely understand. And I, I want to clear up for those listening home and give you a lot more credit too. You know, some of those early deals you were talking about weren't, weren't maybe ideal or what you were looking for, but you know, anything I've learned on this show, talking to other successful operators is you will learn a lot of, you get a lot of experience from actually doing as opposed to the theory and books and podcasts and Most bigger definitely. pockets and all this stuff. So a lot of credit to you for jumping headfirst into it and finding your way. And if nothing else, I think what I heard and I've heard from others as well, but definitely from you was you found not only what you maybe wanted to do or found a better path for yourself after those, but you've definitely found what you didn't want to do, which is probably as important, if not more important than finding what you want to do. Definitely. Well said. You've done a lot. You've been all kinds of different places all over the world. You know, you operate out in Canada now, but I got to imagine whether it was early on or even recently, you've had some unsuccess stories. So I'm anxious to hear what story you brought that can educate myself and the audience today on maybe something to not do or avoid in their future. Gotta, gotta love this podcast, Cody. I tell you, you just, you kind of open the wound, you, you <laughs> spread it open, you dump some salt in there, a little iodine, you squish it all up, you mix it all up. <laughs> well, we put a Band-Aid on it at the end. We put a Band-Aid on it, so you're, you're fine. It gives my boo-boo and make it feel better. Yeah, right, right. That's good, that's good. No, it's, it is, I've made so many dumb mistakes over the years continue to, but you know, I, I think one of the biggest mistakes I made, and this is kind of more of a general type thing. So doing those 18 deals in 18 months, that was, that was good. It was good experience and all that kind of that stuff, but it was very transactional. It was, it was, well, they weren't really flips, but it was that kind of stuff, right? You're in, you're out, you make a little, little bit of cash here and there and off you go. That's in, in my mind, that's okay to pay the bills, but that's a dumb way to invest in real estate long-term. I mean, long-term it's buy and hold. You're in the multifamily space. You get this, right? That's, that's really where a person should be focusing. And quite frankly, you can get started right there. You can skip a, a lot of these steps. So that was one mistake, but some of the, the, the ones that, that I reflect back on and that have actually benefited me the most over the years, Cody, have to do with how stupid I was about raising capital in the first place. That's, those were the mistakes that I, I learned a heck of a lot from. And I've been able to help other people avoid making the same mistakes on their path to, to raising capital. So I remember this vividly. I was doing those single family home type deals. By the time I was doing those, I, I had pretty good credit. I had some money saved up. So I was able to self-finance my first couple of deals, which is what a lot of people do, which is good, right? You got your own skin in the game. You got proof of concept. You got you know, put your money where your mouth is, all that kind of good stuff. But sooner or later, you run out of cash, you run out of, out of credit. And one of the biggest mistakes I made was believing the gurus, the real estate gurus out there that say, hey, just find a good deal and the money will find you, right? They put, I see, hear that all the time. And anytime I hear that, I just kind of want to smack the person because that might be true for them now, but it probably wasn't true for them back in the day, right? Right. So yep. sure, so that's easy for a guru to say they've got a platform, they've got thousands or hundreds of thousands of followers. Yeah, they can find a deal and, and the money will find them. But mom and pop real estate investors don't have that luxury, right? So if you kind of go all secret on people and, and just hope that the universe will deliver this capital to you, you're going to be in for a, a big, big, nasty surprise. So that's what happened to me. I remember, I remember this vividly. I had run out of cash, run out of credit. And I was kind of in the back of my mind thinking, geez, I'm going to have to, 
start finding some OPM, other people's money, some investors or joint venture partners or somebody. And of course, that's when the perfect deal landed in my lap. And I, oh, this is awesome. So I got it tied up. I got it under contract. I was so pleased with myself. And then I remembered, hey, hey, dummy, you need 85 grand to close on this single family home. You got, got to come up with some cash. So then it's like, okay, now what do I do? And I knew enough that I, I knew I was going to have to get the word out somehow. But what I did, Cody, was just so clumsy and so cringeworthy at this point that I don't want any of your listeners or followers to, to do this. So what I did was I followed the advice of some of these so-called gurus, right? And a lot of them come from a hardcore sales background, right? So 10x things and this and that. And I remember one of the things I was told was, hey, if you need to raise money fast, pick up the phone and start calling people, cold calling people, or what they call dialing for dollars. Have you heard that, Cody? I, uh, you're talking to a former corporate salesperson for yeah. over 12 years. So oh. I have dialed for many of pennies, not yeah. dollars. Well, man, you know, all the respect to you. I don't come from that background. So I had no mm -hmm. experience with cold calling people. I think around that time, the Wolf of Wall Street to come out or the book was out. And anyhow, it sounded like fun, right? So I thought, hey, this might work. So I picked up a phone, put up a, a little list of people I knew, dialed, rejected, 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 which I know you can relate to if you've done this. But I don't have that thick of a skin, Cody, right? I, my poor, fragile little ego can't handle that much rejection. So I'd love to say I, ground, I grinded out 100 calls or whatever. I didn't. I might have done 10 or 12. That was about it. And then I said, screw that. This is no fun. My ego can't handle it. So off to the next thing. So the next thing was, I'd also heard, hey, go turn every conversation into a real estate conversation. Go out and schmooze and network and talk up a storm and polish up your 30-second elevator pitch or whatever, right? And so off I went. And again, the gurus are all telling us this. Turn every conversation into a real estate conversation. So sure enough, went out to the local B&I, Chamber of Commerce, Toastmasters, everywhere I could get in with my business cards and my desperation. <laughs> And I polished my, my little elevator pitch up and got raised absolutely zero capital. All I got was a bunch of weird looks and people trying to avoid me. All right. So, and here's, you know, after the smoke cleared, obviously at, at the end of the day, that deal did not go through. I was not able to raise the capital. The money did not magically find me. The deal was a good deal. And the way I had it structured, it was very, very beneficial for, for the investor partners. I did many deals after that with the same structure that people were thrilled about. But here's the thing. Let me know if you agree with this, Cody. When you come across like that, when you're, when you're calling people cold, when you're schmoozing, when you're doing all this kind of stuff, that's the sign of a desperate person, right? And I was desperate. Like I needed, I only had a few days to raise this money. So and as time went on, I got more and more desperate. And that desperation just oozed out of every pore in my body, right? I think in, in sales ter terms, they call that sales breath or commission breath. You can just, you can just spell, smell the other person needs that sale terribly. Yeah, and it just talk to anybody in sales at the end of the month or quarter, whenever they, their numbers do. And yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll smell it. You'll, you'll feel it. Exactly. And it's a, it's a, it's a gross feeling, right? That's, that's not, like when you're on the other end, you can, and we've all been in that position where the other person has had commission breath. So we know what that feels like. It's unpleasant for both people. 
And it just, it doesn't really matter how good the deal is. It, it kind of turns you off. So mm-hmm. that was my experience there. The whole idea, I do have a background in marketing. I have a very, very strong background in marketing, not a strong background in direct sales like you do in corporate sales and that sort of thing. So after the smoke cleared, it's like, okay, that sucked. I don't want to get better at dialing for dollars. I don't want to get better at schmoozing. I want to find a better way for me. And I want to do a couple of things. First of all, I would like to get investors coming to me instead of me always chasing after them. That's number one. And number two, I'd like to get my investors lined up first and then go looking for the deals because that's a much more powerful place to to be in. That way you can go and you can negotiate harder. You can do all that kind of good stuff. So that was a very long-winded answer to, to that. No, to listen, answer. I think you're, you're hitting on a very popular topic, I think, which is this, this thought process and that you went through of, do you raise capital first or do you find a deal first? Yeah. And, it, and, and I'm of the opinion, yes, do both. But mm-hmm. you should probably start by finding people interested because that could be an easier route to get started. I'm a firm believer, just like in sales, when they teach you, you know, sell your friends and family first. Same thing with if you jump into real estate, you're looking to raise capital. The reason they people in the gurus or whoever book podcast you're reading, they're probably going to tell you friends and family first is because those people already know, like, and trust you, or they should, right? Exactly. They already know who you are. So they don't, you don't have to build the credibility with them on your personality, what you're trying to accomplish, your work ethic, you know, whatever it may be you do maybe need to sell them on real estate. I think in our experience, we found that a lot of people weren't familiar with real estate or at least investing in this type of real estate. They were maybe more familiar with like flipping single family homes, that sort of thing, but buying apartment complexes, or even in our case nowadays, even uh, on the industrial side, they, they don't understand. That's that's, that's out of their context. They got no idea. They bought their own house, but they haven't ever thought of investing in an apartment building. Yeah. Exactly. So it's uh, so you do have to do a lot of education. And back to your point, it's like, you got to know how much money you're playing with to be able to go after these things. And I think even right. more so these days than ever, because there are so many people doing syndication. There was a great episode on Joe Fairless's podcast, Best Ever. I think they got published a few days ago, maybe a couple of weeks by the time this comes out. But they were talking about, is there a syndication bubble? And mm-hmm. And as I was listening to that, I think that there are a lot of people that are in it right now because it became very, very popular very, very quickly. And I think Joe and some others were kind of pioneering that, hey, we can syndicate and then educate and put this platform out there and then get people out there. And, and they did it very well. But I think a lot of people are trying to do that. So you have a lot more noise that you have to get through for that sort of thing. So a lot of starting, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's you got a lot more noise, a lot more people trying it. You know, who knows? as rates continue to go up, if we'll continue to see all the players in the market. But it, I'm of the mindset to what you're alluding to, which is you got to you gotta find the money. You got to yeah, know- and, and, and money first doesn't necessarily mean that somebody's cutting you a check for 50 or hundred grand. Right. What we're looking for are expressions of interest, letter of intent. We're just looking for signs of serious life in our investors. And when you got a bunch of those lined up, then you can go forth and always, always give yourself a cushion, right? Always have at least 50% more lined up than you think you need, because then when the smoke clears, you'll probably be okay. All that kind of good stuff, right? So yep. uh, important that people understand that too. You yeah. don't have to get them to catch your checks. Better if that, they don't. That was a, that's a really good point because uh, we we were told early on and we still live by this, You know, whatever you, you have in your bank kind of promise from your investors, just cut it in half. And that's usually what you're <laughs> playing with. So 
Dave, I, I, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. It's been a pleasure having you back. I think that's an incredibly valuable lesson that you learned and hopefully that our, our audience can take away from and know that, sure. you know, even folks as successful as yourself, and I'm sure others out there that w- we all struggle with this idea of raising capital, even if you do have a good deal, then like you had in front of you, it's, it could be challenging. So make sure that you, you get some of those soft commitments up front. You know, what kind of revenue you're playing with and, and you don't have to reek of that desperation commission breath, as you said. So Dave, for those that want to work with you, learn from you, invest with you in the future, would love to help people know where they can find you at. Well, thanks, Cody. So we're actually just launching a brand new podcast right now called the How to Raise Capital 101 show for real estate investors. And the first nine episodes of the show are basically kind of like a mini course on how to raise six figures in a matter of weeks and seven figures in a matter of months. And again, that's a How to Raise Capital 101 show on your favorite podcast platform, or you can check out the website, raisecapital101show.com. Perfect. Well, folks, this episode should be live by the time that show is live. So, so make sure that you click on the links below and we'll make sure that everyone has it. So you can go check it out. If you're interested in raising capital or looking to raise capital, I can't recommend Dave enough. He's, he's fantastic at what he does and can't wait to, to see the episodes continue to pump out. So Dave, thank you so much for joining. It's been a pleasure having you back, sir. Likewise. Thanks so much, Cody. Absolutely. And Hey, everyone listening and watching at home, we appreciate you. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.